what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I won't go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we just thank you today, God, that your word is falling on good ground. We just thank you, Lord, that we are ready and primed and just on the brink of our seats, just ready to receive your word, God. For we know that you have something to encourage us, to build us up, to edify us today. And so we just thank you, Lord, that your word is just sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you it's going into every situation right now and creating straight paths and creating smooth planes for us, God. And we can trust in your word because it never comes back to you void. And so we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Hey, let's talk. Let's talk. We're going to talk about living like a champion today. Amen. Note my Jamaica vest because there is nobody greater. Nobody greater in track and field than the Jamaicans. That's what I'm saying. So I did not pink synchronized swimming. I didn't pick skiing. I didn't even go to the bobsled. We're sticking with track and field. Stick with what you know, amen? <laughs> and so we want to talk about living like a champion, living like a champion. And, you know, I love how the Bible describes it, uh, living like a champion, because it, uh, it kind of refers to our Christian life as a race, that we're running this race. And there are certain tenements to this race if we're going to win and live like a champion. So it's kind of likened to a track and field race. And if you would turn with me to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. And it says here, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze away, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down. Start running. And never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility, he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Now powerful, now powerful. This is just packed with the winning formula for being a champion in life. You know, I believe that we're all born with the potential to be champions. I believe it's already coded in our DNA to win and to be champions. Like Jesus was, but... All of us don't actually win, even though we're coded to win. It's just like all of us don't actually succeed, though we're coded to succeed. It's, it's, we're, we're coded to win, but we don't necessarily do what Jesus was willing to do to get the results Jesus was willing to get. We don't actually want to work. We want to just cross our hands and if you're... My age, not past his age, because this was beyond his time up in the 
upper echelons of time. You know, I love Jeannie, you know, and she just did that. And abracadabra, kazoo, things happen. Well, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. We have to work. We have to work. And so sometimes we're running the race and we focus on the hurdles. Then we focus on the hoorays. Because the Bible says that we have a great cloud of witnesses here in the King James. The same verse says we have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And instead of us focusing on all the progress we're making within the race, within each step, we focus on the hurdles that we have to jump. And so we don't end up winning because if you're like me, you go to the hurdle and you see the hurdle is waist high and you go, oh. <laughs> or you want to kind of go around it, but to kind of like buff up and try to prance over that is a whole nother thing. You're thinking like, if somebody has raised, I, I need a walkathon. But, but, but God is saying to us, no, we're in a race. We're in a race. A champion is fueled by faith, but established by faithfulness. A champion is fueled by faith, but established by faithfulness. Say, I'm a champion. I'm fueled by faith. And I'm established by faithfulness. You know, my dad was very close to Bob Marley. He was really, really, really close to Bob Marley. And, you know, I, I was interviewing my dad um, last year when I went to Jamaica to talk to him. And I said, hey, um, and when I mean close, meaning really close. Like not close like I knew him through the TV. You know, like some of us, we, we, we see people on TV and stuff when we feel like they're our pastor because we see them every Sunday. No, no, not, that's, that's not true. They're not your pastor, you're, they're your television inspiration. But when we said we knew Bob Marley, we knew him and we grew up with his family and things like that. So I said to him, I said, hey daddy, do you think that Uncle Bob thought that he would have been such a global cultural phenomenon? Do you think he knew that he would have altered the course of history musically? And he said, yes. I said, Yes. He said, yeah, he said, you know, based on his nature, he would never say that publicly. But one day he told me, he said, Tommy, I'm going to be big. I'm going to be very big. And, you know, as he was telling me the story, it wasn't that he believed in himself or he could see a vision of himself in the future that impressed me. But he said to me, he said, Sarah, you know, you see Bob Marley, he said, I'm trying to talk like him now, you know. Everyone in at 8 o'clock, you know, sir. I mean, I would go all the way out to Bull Bay, which is like far, just far, and meet him at 8 o'clock in the morning. And by the time I reached Bob, you know, by the time I reached Bob, he had already written a song for the day. He wrote a song every day, Sarah. Every single day, there's nobody more disciplined than him. That's why even after he's dead, he's producing albums. <laughs> he wrote a song a day, 365 songs a year. That is why he's unparalleled in his field. That is why he's unmatched. Because his discipline and his work ethic went beyond. His way that he ran the race went on beyond the norm. You know, everybody can say, you know, my marriage is going to be great. I'm going to finish college. I'm going to go on a vacation. Anybody can say anything, but not everybody actually does something. And we have to get from the saying and into the doing of it. Because faith is not faith if there are no works. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. And when you see a champion and you know them as a champion or an expert in their field, you're seeing them at their reward stage. By the time they're a champion, they have already done all the preparation. They have done all the work. You're not seeing them on the back end. You're seeing them now when they have finished years and years of growing, years and years of maturing. And so, so us as believers, we sometimes want to quit in the middle of the preparation but 
it's not the quitters who win. And it's not those who stop who get the prize. Amen? So we have to, we have to endure those hurdles. When people are mocking us for serving or mocking us for giving or mocking us for being, you know, uh, humble or when we want to blow off on somebody inside the grocery store or we want to, I mean, like me, just drive over someone in the road because they cut me off in, in the street. And I mean, every now and then, I mean, I, I, I just catch myself like it's another personality takes over and I am racing after them like I'm really going to come out of the car and do something. I'm thinking, what, you idiot, reverse, reverse, you know, and, and because it's a hurdle and I'm thinking to myself, you know, oh, but you can't just quit in the middle of the race. You got to go through the process. You got to go through the process. You know, the Bible says that um, David, nobody would have thought David would have been qualified for Goliath. You know, they, they didn't look at him. He didn't, in their eyes, carry all the flashy stuff that would name a you know, winner. He didn't look like a medalist. You know, he just looked like, you know, kind of me when I used to swim and I was a ribbonist. You know, I would get the ribbon. You know, he looked like he was a medalist. You know, he was back on the side of the, the desert with his little sheep and all this kind of thing. And nobody would have really thought that David would have done something. But see, while they were just over there operating in their glory, they didn't see that God was preparing David and that David had killed a bear and killed a lion on all these things he had been doing while nobody else was watching. He had a discipline. He had an, an ethic that he was involved in. And so the Bible says that, you know, while all of the army was confronted with, with Goliath, they hoped somebody would have risen up. But see, David didn't hope. David was full of faith. And David, because he was faithful, he had the faith to just not hope about it, but do something about it and say, no, let me take on Goliath. He didn't just wait on the opportunity. He took the opportunity because his discipline and his preparation made him confident in God. And he knew he had to throw the stone himself and trust God to guide it. But he had a part in it. He had to actively take a role in winning. And his winning benefited more than him. And so here's the, here's the thing. First John 5, 4 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We're already victorious. We're already overcomers. But how many of us, you know, let me, let me, let me tell you about my, one of my other favorite athletes. I have several, you know. Because I always um, support athletes who can do all the things I can't do. So um, I have... Spiritual gift envy, maybe, talent envy, and um, Floyd Mayweather. I just love him. I don't watch boxing at all, ever. But when Floyd Mayweather is up, I, I don't even really watch the fight. I watch the, the lead up to the fight. That's my favorite part. When he's talking all the noise, Lord have mercy. You talking, I, you, it's like Denzel is in front of me. I'm telling you. I mean, Floyd, he's probably about this tall. I don't know. But I am telling you, when he just starts... You know how he do and all this kind of stuff. And so I was watching, you know, the, the, the lead up special and he's driving in his car and he's saying, you know, it's 1 a.m. I'm going to my third workout for the evening. I said, third, third. Okay, she said, third. I said, third, third workout for the evening, you know. And then he said this. This is an actual quote. He said, I hate training. Now you see him and he always, 
whatever he doing. And you think that he really loved this stuff, right? I mean, he'd always, you know, you know, and I'm thinking, man, he looks like he's always enjoying. He was always smiling and this kind of thing. But he said, I hated training, but I'm willing to do what no one else is at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how good my coach is or how great the fans are. No one else can, he goes, no one else can do and do for me what I have to do. And that's why nobody ain't better than me. I am Floyd Money Mayweather. <laughs> I mean, it sounds a little arrogant, and you know, people kind of want to chide Floyd Mayweather for that, but I think it sounds a lot truthful. You know, 2 Timothy 2.5 says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Uh, you know, uh, ho, ho, let me see how I say this to you. There are certain rules to winning the Christian race. There are certain things that we have to do. We have to remain faithful in what we know what to do. We must be loving when we don't want to be. We must be giving when we're being stressed. We must be forgiving when we want to hold on to a grudge. We must, you know, we must serve when it's inconvenient. This is part of the rules. And when we obey the rules, the rewards are imminent. When we obey the process, the promise has to come. This is how it goes. When we follow the routine of God, there's no way that he will not richly bless us. So, you know, uh, uh, here's the difference between hope and faith. Because reward doesn't come through hope. Reward comes through faith. And I have seen many times in my life where I felt that I was in faith, but I actually was in hope. And many of you know that when we were believing for Landon, I was in hope for many years. And the hope was, of course, evidenced by my trying to manipulate the promise out of God. First, I would cry. That didn't really work. Then I decided I'd be mad at God. I'm not really sure how that was going to work. Then I figured, okay, if that didn't work, then maybe I should just be jealous of all the saints who are getting pregnant. And that didn't work. Then I figured, okay, so I need to go to the doctors and do everything else. And my numbers were going in reverse. Reverse. They're giving you medication to increase your stuff. A man is going in decline. Oh, okay. But that's not working. So I'm in all this hope. But at no point did I really understand faith was a whole different thing. Faith means I'm so settled. I fully understand that if it was 205 years old, I was going to have this baby. And so finally when I got into faith, within weeks, we were pregnant. Within weeks. And sometimes our, our reward is being delayed because we are in hope and not faith. And so we cry about it. We think about it. We wish it. We complain. And we think that all of that is going to make a change. Hope says, I think it will happen. Faith says, I know it's already happened. Hope says, I feel it when I train. Faith says, I train and then I feel it. Hope says, I will trust the coach, the coach at my convenience. Faith says, I'll trust the coach because he's experienced. Hope says, I wish it works out. Faith says, because all things work together, it has no option but to work out. Hope says, if others do the work for me, I'll get some of the benefit. Faith says, let me do the work so I can benefit others. So faith is, faith is a, it's not just a word, it's a way of living. You know, our opening scripture says that we must lay aside every weight. Every weight. Everything that besets us. And that really means every excuse. Because excuses are the bread of the mediocre. Not the meddled. 
It, we have to lay aside all the reasons why we can't do something, all the reasons why we shouldn't do something, and make up in our mind that the reason that we have to do it is because it's the right thing. Because a just shall live by faith. Amen. So I'm going to end with this story for you, and I'll tie it all together. So I have a daughter, y'all know, and she's like, you know, my little hero. And um, so she's a champion. In my mind, she's like a real true champion because she has way, I mean, her father is here, so I guess I have to give him credit. But (sighs) all right, well, she takes after her dad in this area. I must give up credit where credit is due. However, it pains me to. You know how people do whenever something bad is with a child, they go, that's your dad. But all the good thing is, it's me. Okay, well, yeah, I want credit for this too, but I really can't take it because I am so not disciplined. <laughs> you know? But Evan, Pastor Evan is such a, a routine, disciplined person. You know, you could just know what time of day it is just based on what he's doing. I mean, you don't even need a watch, an almanac, a calendar, whatever you want to say. You can just follow him and you can just know, you know, what is going on. About 8.45, he's maybe at Whataburger or, you know, our place, those kind of things. And um, so heaven is a lot like him. She's very mentally organized and mentally disciplined. Thank God for them in my life. Amen. Praise God. And so, um, <laughs> now I really, I really respect heaven. I mean. You know, and I really, I really admire her because she's really one of my heroes, you know, for real. And um, so here's a, here's a setup. She was in this, she was in this school and the school is very small. I mean, it's like 40 people in her entire eighth grade at the time. Four, it was 36 in the whole eighth grade, not the class. Let, let, let's say the whole grade. Like that whole graduating class is 40 people. That's how small it is, right? So... I've been asking her to do track and field every year, every season. And, you know, she tried a couple of times, but they weren't, you know, really successful because you really have a good coach. That's just the truth about it. So she goes to Grace Prep and, you know, she gets this former Olympic, Olympian, um, John Drummond, right? So he's a medalist and she gets him as her coach. And he has experience. He has a knowledge of the curves. He knows how far to push her, what weight she can take, how to navigate through the stressful times and mental breakdowns. He knows how to diagnose injuries and lay out a program for healing. He's been among the best. And believe me, in his mind, he believes there's nobody better than him. I mean, he thinks he is the best. He walks home with a little chiropractor chair and all sorts of things. I mean, he thinks he's a chiropractor. He thinks he's a medical practitioner. He thinks he's a coach. You know, but, but he is just full of all his wisdom. So heaven you know, goes and she decides that she's going to do track for the first time. And so, you know, I'm excited because her legs are like five feet long just by himself, right? And so I'm thinking, man, you are like, like a gazelle. You should just run and run and just keep running. And, you know, and so she decides that she's going to, okay, mom, I'm going to do it for you. And I'm like, yes. So she goes and she gets out there and She's practicing and she's training and she's doing it and she don't like it. But boy, when she commits to it, she does it. So she's doing it and I am just, you know, I'm just on the sidelines. Go, girl, go, girl, because I don't have to do none of that, right? And I'm just like, great, go ahead, fantastic. And so she decides, you know, they, they have the meat and the meat comes up and, you know, all these different meats come on and she's doing really well, right? She's doing really well. So 
she, most of the time that she was doing the meets, it was like group like four by 400, four by 100, you know, a little group thing, right? So then we come to regionals, right? And of course, I don't understand any of this because remember, I only lost after other people's spiritual gifts. I don't really like, do the work to get them. So, you know, I'm just, I didn't even know what regionals meant. I was just like, oh, all right, regionals must mean something important. Wait. So we go and um, I guess it's a two-day thing. And so they have to qualify, Right? Okay, but you all understand. Well, oh, look at you. Just real athletic. Huh? Buff and all that. Right? Okay, so she goes and she goes to qualify, right? And so she qualifies. And remember now, she's running a 4 by 4 well, 400 as a group, you know, and they've been doing well and they've been meddling and all this kind of stuff. Well, we, along the way, we had this guy who had said to her, Heaven and man, I really have this big, big gift for you. Um, you just win. The more you win, you know, I'm going to just blow your mind. I'm just going to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. And so she's, you know, forget the, the, the promise to her mom. No, she's all about the prize. You know, I, I, wanna be, I want my mind to be blown. I mean, because her imagination is huge. So I'm thinking, what are you going to do to blow this kid's mind? You know, and so she's running and she is, trust me, she is over there checking up every race she has won, every medal she has received and having me update the benefactor. Uh, is he going to come to see the race today? Okay, well, let him know that I did win this. You know, let him, okay, so she's keeping up tabs because she knows this reward is coming. She don't know when the reward is coming. She didn't know if the reward is 10 years away, 10 minutes away, or 10 months away. All she knows is that this faith work that she's doing is going to be worth something that's going to blow her mind. And so she's just enduring the process, enduring the discipline. So we go here now and she qualifies and, you know, she wants to win now because, you know, she don't want to lose. And so the day comes now, regionals, and she calls her coach the night before and she says, she finds out that she placed fifth in the times for the 400, right? And so she says, okay, well, I, I need to, I need to, like, win. So what do I need to do? And he says, well, heaven, you have to take off like almost five seconds off your time. Within one day, this is. One day. That's like almost impossible in track. It's impossible in anything. And so she says, well, how do I do that? See, sometimes when you're in a situation you need to improve, you got to ask your coach. You can't just figure it out yourself and decide you know everything. Because you wouldn't be where you were in fifth place if you knew everything. You wouldn't be passed over and over and over and over if you knew everything. Go and find out where can you do better. And so she went to the coach and he said, ride the hip of the girl on first. Ride her hip. Stay with her. Don't let her go. So, you know, the 100 meter come. And, you know, heaven have this um, athletic swag walk. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, she prims and she do herself and she... You know, she got a crisp up and all this kind of thing. And then, you know, so, you know, she has this walk. <sighs> you know, she do all these kind of theatrics, you know. And, um, and then the coach don't help because he's just a theatrical. So he the only one out there with all these, these apparatus and things on the floor and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, she's out there and she 100 meter race. And she run and she run and psh, win. No big deal. Well, who knew the next race was like three minutes later? Like back to back. Well, the next race is the 400. Her least favorite thing. I remember the one she had to shave almost five seconds off. The coach is not there, but he has left other coaches. And sometimes you can't get to your main coach. But there's always a plan in place for you to win your race. And you can't always just depend 
on the main coach when he's already invested in the other coaches to guide you to the meddling spot. And so here goes. On your mark, get set, go. And heaven runs the race. Well, not like that. I mean, she was, you know, way better than that. You know, legs were looking better. And she runs the race like it's a 200. I mean, she doesn't stop. Okay, but the last um, 50 meters or so, But she was making it, boy. She was making it. And we are just thinking, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So she crosses the finish line in third. Right? So this is her medal right here. Crossing third. When she crosses in third, she goes, Her, her, her other coach is coming. They're holding her. My leg! My leg! I can't do this. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Ah, she's doing all of this. And they're saying, walk heaven. You got to walk. And she goes, I can't walk. I can't walk. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm just like there for moral support. I'm just like, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Healing Jesus. So they're like, you have to walk heaven, you have to walk heaven. They said the worst thing you could do is put your muscles like that and don't walk it out. In the middle of your pain, stay true to the training. In the middle of your pull-up, stay true to the training. In the middle of your cramp-up, don't stop with your training. Don't stop doing what you know you should do. And so here it is. He says, they call the coach online and, you know, because she wasn't hearing nobody. I mean, the girl was like delirious. It was like another personality. I promise you. She was just like, she was doing like weird things. You know, like when pastor comes up here and talks about the in living color. Oh, Michael Jackson catches the flies. I mean, we didn't even know who this chick was. And so she was just doing all this. No, I can't. I can't. I can't do anything. Huh? Huh? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say to me? No, no, I can't. My legs don't work. My legs don't work. You know, she was just saying all this stuff, right? And we are laughing at her. No, for real. So I say, you know, get Coach Drummond on the phone. Because his voice, he's going to listen to him, right? Because she don't want to listen to nobody else, right? Now, bear in mind, remember, the races are coming. So this is all happening like in supersonic speed, right? And so we call Coach Drummond. He says, she sees some peanut butter and jelly right now. She hates peanut butter. But she's got to do what she doesn't want to do to get to be where she needs to be. So they give her this vitamin stuff. I don't know. They start doing. They're taking her blood pressure. They're doing all sorts of things. Because as she's there taking the blood pressure, they're calling girls eighth grade two hundred. She is still sweating from the last race. And sometimes in life we have things that come back to back to back to back on us. We didn't even get time to breathe. We didn't even get time to recover before another slander comes, before another irritation comes, before another bill comes. You give your money and the car breaks down. You serve in church and your husband wants to act up. You know, you go in there and you bless somebody in your job and, and, and then it seems like all hell breaks loose back to back. And they're calling your name for your race, but you still have your blood pressure stuff on. 
They're trying to check, can you, can you do it? And her, her levels were borderline. And they just said, just walk, just walk slow, heaven. Walk slow, walk slow. Try and calm yourself down while you're going over there. Why walk you? And it was just back to back. And, and you know, she's like, okay, first she was like, I can't do it. And then she just turns around and she goes, I got it. I got it. We were like, well, all right, we got it too. <laughs> and she just made up her mind. I got a job to do. I got a race to run. I must finish the course. I didn't come here to lose. I didn't come here to abort my prize. I didn't come here to send a bad report to my benefactor. I didn't come to shame God and say, hey, I can't finish what I started. No, I'm going to run that 200. Watch me run it. For the finish in top three. How she did it, we do not know. We had had the respect of all these other coaches and everybody. We were just so shocked that she could endure that kind of intensity back to back. And God is saying to you, because you are built and DNA coded like a champion, you cannot fail. Your coaches are there. He has put support for you. He's given you the word. He has given you the training. Don't stop giving. Don't stop serving. Don't stop believing. Don't stop loving. Don't stop building your character. Don't stop being a Christian. Finish the race. Finish the race. Get rid of all the excuses. So my challenge to you here is this. Isaiah 40, 29 says, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. What is your excuse? What are you using to convince you not to continue running? What is it that is causing you to put what God has assigned to you on the back shelf? Is it the pain of the race? Is it because, Pastor Sarah, you just don't understand. Man, it's like one thing comes in another. You know it, when it rains, it pours. It's raining cats and dogs. You know, you go into these things and we, we talk ourselves out of our reward. Because we're looking at the hurdle and not the hooray. And I want to say to you, whatever that excuse is, whatever is making you hold back, then I want to say to you, cut it off. Lay it aside like the Bible says. There's a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. We are here cheering you on. So with every... But every person just thinking about it, I want to challenge you this week. I want you to understand you in a race. Nobody else can run your race. Nobody else can be in your lane. If they come in your lane, it's a foul. You don't need to go in anybody else's lane either. You run your own lane. So when your excuse is knocking on your door, when, you're, when you are on your line and you're ready to start, and your excuses on the side of you going, mm-hmm. You know you're too broke to be thinking like that. Mm-hmm. You can't even walk to the mailbox. You're talking about going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see that text? Mm-hmm. Read into it. Read into it. Check all the pockets, girl. Check all the pockets. When, when, when all those excuses coming to stop you, you need to look at it and say, look here now, run your race, you little ratchet buster. I'm a champion, amen? Amen. You just got to speak to your, re- your, your, you know, your excuses like, you got to talk to them like that. Some of them you just got to like, get straight downtown with. You know, sometimes you have to just, Use some very spiritual words on them and tell them to just 
whatever you tell them to do in your holy minds. <laughs> what am I saying to you? You've trained for this. You've sown for this. You've been faithful. Don't let the enemy make you think that your faithfulness counts for nothing. You continue being faithful because the Bible says in Galatians that if you do not quit, if you continue, you will reap a reward if you faint not. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.